Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 57th episode of the Weave Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Jillian Morano. Jillian is a knitter, a weaver, a spinner, and the author of Yarnitecture, which is a book about spinning exactly the yarn you want. I've been excited to have Jillian on the podcast for a while now, so we could dive into all things related to spinning yarn for weaving. Welcome to the podcast, Jillian. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way to knitting and weaving and spinning and all things fiber? Sure. Uh, my name's Jillian Moreno. Um, I wrote the book Yarnitecture. That's the most recent book I wrote, um, which is about spinning for knitting. I hope to do something similar for spinning for weaving one day. Um, I also wrote two knitting books with Amy Singer called Big Girl Knits and More Big Girl Knits about plus size knitting. But long, long ago before that, um, when I first started my fiber journey, uh, I was a weaver first. In my early 20s, I decided that I wanted to weave. I was going to school in Lawrence, Kansas, where there are a ton of weavers and the yarn barn. Um, and so I just jumped in with both feet. I bought an eight harness, 36 inch wide loom. I had never wow. woven before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I spent some time weaving and I just didn't really like it. Um, but I kept weaving and I would pick a pattern or a project and I would just weave exactly, exactly how it they said to weave it. Lots of times I would use the same colors. Um, I was quite obsessed with a book at the time called Hand Woven Laces by Donna Mueller. And I wove my way through that entire book. And, you know, 25 plus years later, um, and I know myself a little better, um, I know exactly why I didn't like weaving at the time. And eventually weaving petered out and I started knitting. I didn't start knitting till I was 26. And um, I knit for a while and quite liked it. It was easy to, to carry around. And then I um, started spinning well into my 30s. And then I got a job at Interweave Press. And um, when you work for a craft publisher, it's really hard to actually do your crafts. <laughs> You're mm -hmm. writing and working about it and making sure other people have all the information they need to do the craft and supporting authors and things like that. Um, you're so immersed in it that by the time you get home, you're just kind of fried. Um, so crafting was light then. And um, I worked at Interweave for, I think, almost 10 years. I was there when they started Interweave Knits. And I worked on books. I did new product development and marketing mostly. Um, and then I moved. To, my husband got a job in Austin and we had our first baby and we moved to Austin. And that's when my crafting really took off again. I was, I spun, I wove, I had a friend that was a weaver, so my loom was always set up. And um, I did a lot of knitting. And uh, I worked part-time at a craft store, at a yarn store, actually a weaving store, Hill Country Weavers, which is all the things in Austin. And that's when I really bloomed into loving all the things. And that was, you know, halfway through my 30s. And since then, I've never looked back. 
and um, I started working for Nitty Magazine then, and I'm still working for them now. I do a, a spinning column for them, them and I uh, write about spinning for their blog. Uh, and now, after all this time, you know, 25-some years, I'm starting to circle weaving again. And I realized the reason I didn't, I quit weaving was, or that it was sort of lackluster for me, was that I am much more of a process than a product person. And I was approaching it as product. I was doing exactly what the magazine or the, the, the um, pattern said, using the exact same uh, yarns and things, without really thinking what was happening, without letting myself learn the structure or about the yarns or any anything like that. I was just lockstep doing exactly what the pattern said. And I know there are tons of people that love that. There are tons of people that are product people that want that end result. That's their whole reason to weave or knit or spin. And I'm just not one of them. Even when I do a big project, like a big knitting project, once I figure out the crux of it, and it takes me forever to finish after that. And lots of times when I finish, I just give it away because it's the process, the research that goes into it, the choosing the yarns um, and figuring out how it all works. Um, so now that when I'm coming back to weaving, quietly, <laughs> slowly, you know, I've got a rigid heddle loom now and um, I've got a Cricut, which is fabulous and easy to use. And I bought a, an Erica with the extra harnesses. So I have a four harness table loom. Um, I'm approaching it much more as a process than just something that I want to weave. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like at the heart of a lot of what you do is the spinning. Um, that yes. You, you start with the fleece or you start with the roving and you go from there. And I am curious who first taught you how to spin and what is it that, you know, keeps you coming back to that? I love spinning because of all the possibilities. You can make, if you spin, you can make any yarn you want. You could make a yarn strong enough to make a rug that'll last for generations, or you could make something just diaphanous, just barely spun, um, you know, that might last a season to keep you warm one winter. You can play with color. You can play with structure. Spinning is like it's, um, you know, a magic ball into creativity for me. Um, I learned twice. I learned once when I first got my wheel, my very first wheel, from someone who was the type of teacher who thought that there was only one way to spin. You must do it this way. You must start with fleece. You must only spin, you know, a short forward draft and, and spin a, a worsted yarn and it's got to be this many plies. And that just kind of made me sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, but then I took a class with Maggie Casey, who saved me from that, who's very much not that type of a spinner. And I'm also not that type of a spinner or that type of a teacher. There are so many more ways to make yarn and to make cloth than, you know, anyone knows. And any which way is right if, it's, if you like it in the end. So, um, yeah, so Maggie Casey helped me spin, let me know that there are many, many ways to spin. And, um, 
just the variety of it all. It, 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 <laughs> I hardly have the words for it. It excites me so much. I'm just really passionate about making yarn and that there are so many yarns to make and so many ways to make a yarn. Yeah, absolutely. You wrote a whole book about spinning. I was just looking through it again yesterday. It's really beautiful and it's really detailed and Thank really you. helpful. It's called Yarnitecture, and we'll we'll link to that in the show notes of that episode. And I'm wondering if you could talk about what inspired you to write this book and why you decided to design it the way you did and what your process was. Um it was those the the teachers that I uh, that say that there's only one way and the people that I was starting to teach and talk to who um, were really hesitant to, to spin because they thought that there was spinning police or that, um, uh, that, that, you know, there was only one way and one type of fiber and, you know, one preparation, one, anything that they had to use. It's really overwhelming to a newish spinner. And my book, picks up right after you're able to make a continuous thread. And that's when all of the questions come. How do I make this kind of yarn? What kind of fiber do I use? What about twist? What about ply? All of those things. Um, and the idea came to me that a yarn is built like building a house. You know, you've got a foundation, you've got walls, paint, all the things, doors, windows. Um, so I decided to structure the book that way, where you talk about, you know, the first thing you do is talk about fiber. Then you talk about how you spin the uh, prepared, how you prepare the fiber or which preparation you buy. Um, what kind of twist do you put in it? Is it a woolen or a worsted draft that you use, depending on what yarn you want to make? Um, and then plies and finish and then about how to manipulate color, which is a big one. And the whole book is written uh, from the standpoint of using commercial fiber. That has really exploded over the years because there's so many breeds available and so many dyers doing beautiful work. Um, you know, the same, a lot of the same dyers that are working in yarn are also working in um, spinning fiber. Can you say more about, um, for people who might not be familiar with spinning, what is commercial fiber? So you can work, you can go to a farm or go to a fleece fair and buy a raw fleece that you have to wash and card or comb, um, or you can buy um, prepared fiber, commercially prepared fiber that's either um, carded or combed at a mill. And that's like a long tube of fiber and you can spin from that and lots of times that's dyed um, in a pattern or a semi-solid or even a solid color for spinning so using commercial fiber cuts out um, a lot of time you can get to the spinning and then you can get to the using of the yarn a lot quicker you can spend your time thinking about you know what type of yarn you want in the end um, and not have to you know fill your bathtub up with fleece I'm wondering if you have advice for weavers who are curious mm -hmm. about spinning and who have an idea of, you know, the kind of yarn maybe that they want to spin that they can't buy, um, but they don't know how to get started. Like what kind of equipment or fiber should they start with and wh what's a good way to learn? Um, ask the other weavers, you know, first of all, because I'm sure that 
any weaver already knows a spinner, whether they know that that person is a spinner or not. Um, you can use a spindle to um, learn to spin or you can use a wheel. Uh, and you can use almost any fiber, a good, you know, sort of middle, um, middle fiber like a Corydale is perfect to learn. Uh, people are in love with Merino, but that tends to be a little feisty. That's the secret about Merino. I kind of would run from a teacher that that offers a brand new spinner Merino because it's a little bit hard to control. It's very fine and it's very short stapled, which means it's easy to break apart when you start to spin it. Um, my biggest advice would be to find a person that will sit beside you and show you, put their hands on your hands. That will cut out a whole lot of time. You've got a human to ask questions to um, and someone to look at what you're doing and make tiny corrections and you'll get to the spinning faster than if you try to learn from a book or YouTube where it's all one-sided and you're not quite sure if what you're doing is right and there's no real way to ask questions. And if you start on a spindle and it's not working for you, find a wheel to borrow. I could never spin on a spindle until I figured out how to spin yarn on a wheel. So hmm, I could never use a spindle until I could use a wheel. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, it just seemed more organic to me. I don't know why. Just more cohesive to be able to use my feet and my hands together. The spindle mm -hmm. just eluded me. I couldn't, it kept, the fiber kept breaking. I couldn't get a fast enough spin on it. Um, it, it made, spindles made me very nervous because I think, um, I thought that I could break them very easy, which isn't true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the great things about being a spinner is that you can weave you can make yarn to weave exactly what you want. And also you have access often to many different kinds of fiber yes. um, from the raw fleece. So I'm curious if you could give a low, you talked a little bit about, you know, Corydale and Merino, but if you could give a lowdown of different kinds of wool and both what wool you would suggest for people who are beginners, but also what wool would you suggest people use for different kinds of projects? Oh, you know, the sky's the limit for different <laughs> kinds of projects. If you use a fine wool, you know, something like a merino, um, Polworth, Targi, Cormo, um, those are super snuggly soft. You wouldn't necessarily want to use those for something that's going to get a lot of abrasion, like you wouldn't want to make a rug out of that. You could, but it would pill really easily. Um, when you use some of those softer, super fine fibers, where something like a Corydale or a Falkland um, really is an all-around wool, you could make anything out of it. You can knit sweaters out of it. You can weave beautiful shawls out of it. Um, and those are easier to spin fibers, too. And then there are fibers like long wools like Wensleydale and um, Teeswater that are gorgeous, lustrous fibers. They like to be very fine and they have this wonderful sheen. They're not altogether soft. Um, you might not want to make a cowl out of them, but um, they, they drape in a very lovely way. They make great shawls. They make great lace because they have a, a lot of structure and this wonderful weight to them. Hmm. And what about 
fiber that's not wool. What are some of your other kinds of favorite fibers to spin? Silk. <laughs> Everybody says that, right? I love silk. I love working with um, silk in blends. I also like some of the down fibers mm. like mm -hmm. cashmere and yak, and those blend really well with silk. For weaving, I like um, cotton and linen both, linen especially, and I'm super excited about your new yarn that's coming. I can't wait yeah. to get mine. <laughs> um, there's just great structure to cellulose um, that you don't get from anything else. And there's some great new spinning blends coming out that are that have a tiny bit of linen in them that are really exciting to spin. I mean, like 10% linen or even hmm. less. So a merino, a silk, and a tiny bit of linen. And it gives, us, gives it this great crispness that you wouldn't get otherwise. It has the shine of the silk, it has the softness of the merino, but um, a little bit more structure because of the linen in it. Interesting. I've never tried to spin with 100% linen. I have tried with cotton and I definitely found it more tricky. Are yes. there, do you have tips for, for that? Patience. <laughs> That's a good one. For cotton. Yeah. It needs, a, it wants a lot of twist. It likes a lot of twist and it's very, very short. So you have to go slowly, slower than you want to go. And linen's a whole other beast. I like to spin it damp. That helps me spin, um, hmm. to, to spin flax into linen. But I really like it as a blend more than anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that you are starting to tiptoe back into weaving, and I'm curious if you have been spinning anything for weaving these days. Yes. Um, I have found myself, you know, with I buy t tons and tons of braids, the painted braids. They're beautiful. Mm. They're like candy. I can't stop buying them. My basement is full of them. Um, and in particular, I love uh, Blue Faced Lester, which is one of the, you know, first steps towards long wools. It's very soft and silky, uh, but it has strength to it. And I find that on my rigid heddle, especially I can spin that into a single and and it holds beautifully and I get all of the colors staying the same. I don't have to worry about the colors crisscrossing each other in a way that might not be pleasing or might make it muddy. Um, so spinning BFL as a single and using that as my warp and then either using the same yarn as my weft or I'm about to um, start a project where I have a, my my warp is a BFL single that is close to worsted weight, maybe it's um, sport weight, and I'm using a lace weight merino silk as uh, the weft on it. And I'll keep it balanced or less um, in the weft so that it's just barely holding it together. So I get the slinkiness of the, the BFL in the warp and... Um, just little bits of shots of color, of a solid color that goes with the, um, the hand-painted yarn. I think you're inspiring lots of weavers out there right at this very moment to head to their spinning wheels. I know you are me. I haven't spun in months, and this just sounds so fun. <laughs> um, 
you mentioned, I'm really glad you just mentioned this project because you mentioned two things that I think new weavers are often cautioned against. One is using hand spun for warp and the other one is using a singles for warp. And so I'm curious if you could, I love that you're blowing those yeah. out of the water. Talk about that and what people need to do when they want to use a hand spun for a warp and or a hand spun single. Um, I, my experience is only on a rigid heddle so far, so I can speak to that. And um, I would use a middle um, type of fiber or even stepping into the long walls for a, for, um, a single that's going to be a warp. Um, it, they're just stronger. And you really don't have to, especially with BFL and anything longer like Wensleydale or uh, Teeswater, you really don't have to do anything special in the finish because those are sturdy fibers in themselves. They're long, they're strong, they're shiny, they're beautiful, and BFL is soft enough to put around your neck. If you're using something like um, a Corydale or something softer, a Merino silk has caught your eye, or maybe a, a Cormo or a Targi, spinning those with a little extra twist baby but most importantly, you'll, you'd want to finish those in a different way than you would if you were going to knit with them. Uh, if I were going to knit with uh, a merino silk, I would do a light finish on it. Just soak it in hot water, roll it in a towel, you know, snap it, hang it. To be able to weave with something like that, you want to add a little more structure into that single. And you can do that in two ways. You could do it by adding more twist in the single, which then might make your fabric bias in the end, which you may or may not want. Um, or you can finish it in a little more aggressive way. You can full it or felt it, which you would take that yarn once you finished it and move it back and forth between hot and cold water. Um, just moving it back and forth will full it a little. It'll pull in and strengthen it. If you add agitation to that, it'll start to felt and that makes it even stronger. Um, what you need to decide is um, how much pliability you want in that yarn. The more you felt it, more you move towards a hard felt, um, the less pliability is going to be in that single. So then you may want to change your set if you come up with a yarn that's harder than you expected. That's really great advice. Are there any other, um, what would the word be, you know, uh, rules that you think should be blown out of the water about spinning and weaving? Oh, <laughs> try anything. Mm -hmm. Just play. You know, the, the people that I see that are so cautious. I spend a lot of my time sampling. I spend more time sampling and playing and making mistakes. Um, and that gives me so much joy. But again, I'm a process person, but try any yarn. No one says that, you know, your yarns have to be the same weight. No one says that they have to be the same color from the same dyer, the same fibers. That's a big one. People feel like they have to use the same fibers for hmm. warp and weft. And you absolutely don't have to. And art yarns are another thing that are stupendous in weaving. So a little bit of a textured yarn, a little boucle, which, you know, is an old time 
um, friend to weaving, but you can make some really gorgeous hand-spun um, boucle yarns. But, you know, beehives and big chunky yarns, all of those things can be used, used in weaving and even as warp or part of a warp on a rigid heddle. Love it. You spend a lot of time teaching people spinning in workshops and in and through your writing, through books and through the publications that you write for. And I'm curious what you love about teaching and what you try to inspire in your students. You know, what I kind of what I just talked about, that mm-hmm. there's just not yeah. one way and it's got to yeah. be fun. There's so many things that aren't fun in the world. Your hobbies should absolutely bring you as much joy as they possibly can. Yeah. And I just love having teaching people in person. That makes me so happy to be able to tell people, no, there's nothing wrong. They come in, maybe a teacher has told them that, you know, the yarn that they're spinning isn't right, or um, how they spin isn't right, that they need to, you know, spin only a worsted style dense yarn. And I say, you know, no, your, your yarn is beautiful, just use it. And the way you spin is perfectly fine. If you want to make a different type of yarn, here's what you have to do. And um, I like to make things as um, uncomplicated as possible. I think in, I know in spinning and I know in knitting and I'm sure in weaving, there are people that try to make it like a secret club that use all the abbreviations and try to make things as complex as possible because they understand and someone newer may not. And that's really off-putting to people and it makes new people really sad and and some of them leave the craft because of that and I those are my least favorite people mm-hmm. <laughs> I try to take something that in a book might be a whole uh, chapter and to distill it down into one or two sentences here's what it is and here's why you might want to pay attention to it in your spinning that's it and and to, to have people smiling when they leave my class is my greatest joy. Yeah, I really resonate with that. It's a big part of what uh, I tried to keep us really focused on with my yarn shop and also with the podcast, which is how, how do we make weaving and fiber communities just be more open and less exclusive, I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's exciting. And there's, there's lots of different ways that that can look, but it's true. It's crazy that there's sharing what the abbreviations are and simple things like that are, um, really, you know, go a long way. So I really resonate with that. Yeah. Um, what are some upcoming opportunities people could have to learn from you in person? Um, I am teaching at Maryland Sheep and Wool. I'm teaching all over. I teach about once a month all across the U S and, um, I've got a website, jillianmoreno.com and that's where all of my teaching is listed i'm also on uh instagram and a little bit on twitter a little bit on um facebook and it's all just my name so uh and i have a blog on my website Uh, i try to post there once a excuse me once a week and i post once a week on the nitty blog about spinning and I have a newsletter where I talk about um, spinning and knitting and I'm starting to talk a little bit about weaving and also um, I'm an obsessive reader. I talk about all the books that I read and listen to and the shows that I watch. I just got Brit Box and I may never leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. We will link to your website and your social media links all in the show notes so people can easily find those. Great. 
And I'm wondering, you've given lots of wonderful advice throughout this conversation, but I'm wondering if you have any closing advice or words of wisdom for weavers out there or spinners or wannabe spinners. Learn about your yarn. Enjoy the process. It's not just an end result. Know what you want to do and what you're passionate about and follow that. It will take you so many places and you'll meet so many people and just play. Take the time to play and relax and have fun. Jillian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk today for the podcast. It was really wonderful. Sure. Thank you. you for having me. I appreciate it. That's a wrap. To see photos of Jillian and her work and links to her book and her website and her social media, you can go to the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 57. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com. Next week on the podcast, LaShawn is talking with Kelly, a natural dyer, dye grower, insect admirer, and owner of Bedhead Fiber. Bedhead Fiber is a declaration of adoration for plants, fungi, natural fibers, farmers, and slow process. They believe in the power of plants, the necessity of healthy ecosystems, and supporting farmers. So stay tuned for that episode next Monday, and until next time, happy weaving! Happy weaving!